The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with your friend of mine, highly, very highly acclaimed local author Howard Linsky, world renowned. World renowned, well remembered. Yeah, yeah. World renowned, yes. Thank I, you. I did write it down for you. Yes, sorry, I can't read your handwriting. Um, but yeah, How- Howard is back. Uh, Chris and Sam are off on holiday. Yeah. So uh, Howard's here uh, this week uh, covering. Uh, and, and most admirably too. What we do on the film guide, if you're new to this, then uh, you might be interested to know that we look at the films that are um, Howard's choices to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead, starting with uh, the uh, 14th of October. Uh, we'll also look at a film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. But before all that, we look at new releases uh, on the streaming services. I believe there is one to talk about this week. But before all that, let's look at the cinemas. So, um... In fact, let, let's swap your order and let's talk about the one that we were just talking about. So let's start with oh, yeah. Halloween Ends, apparently. Well, you, you've probably never heard of the Halloween films. You know, they're, <laughs> apparently they're horror films. <laughs> they're, they're hugely successful still. There's about 257 of them. Um, this is actually uh, meant to be the last, but, but maybe it's just the last in this reboot. I don't know. So Halloween Ends is a slasher film. We know this anyway, don't we? Directed by David Gordon Green. It's a sequel to the 2021 film, Halloween Kills. So if you've seen that, you probably want to watch this one. It is, in all seriousness, the 13th installment in the Halloween franchise. Uh, And it's the final film in what is known as the H40 trilogy, which means nothing to me. Halloween 40th anniversary, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's when it began. So, well, the original um, was 1978, so that's, what, 44 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if the first in the trilogy was 40 years after the thing. It, well, it was, because, because it. that first, the first one, which was, again, ca- just called Halloween, not confusing, oh. uh, came out in 2018, so yes. Oh, yeah. And that first Halloween movie starred an 18-year-old Jamie Lee Curtis, who, Jamie Lee Curtis sorry, who is now, I think, about 107. Um, doing <laughs> oh. less, a little bit harsh. Well, no, she'd be, yeah. uh, well, if she's, she was 18 she's then. She's playing a grandma. Hang on, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out here. Yeah. If, she was, if she was 18 then, and it's 40 years on, yeah. she's, she was 58, but, th- but that was four years ago, so she's 62. Yeah, well, there you go. But she's playing a granny. So right. heaven knows what the character's name, uh, sorry, age is. We know her name. It's Laurie. Um, anyway, it's going to be, allegedly, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's final performance as Laurie Strode and Nick Castle's final outing as Mike Myers, or Michael Myers, not Mike Myers. That's the actor, isn't it? Yeah. In a, in a cameo role, so he's making a guest appearance. Um, it's four years after the event of last year's Halloween Kills. Laurie is living with her granddaughter, Alison, and is finishing writing her memoir. That'll be a spooky book. Mm. Uh, Michael Myers hasn't been seen since his last brutal rampage. Uh, Laurie, is fo- um, after following the spectre of Michael, um, is uh, determined to liberate herself from the fear and rage that she's experienced and embrace life. But when a young man called Corey Cunningham is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Laurie to finally confront the evil she can't control. And I love the ending of this once and for all. Yeah, sure. 13 times and for all yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so for those who are interested then, I've done a, I've done a teensy-weensy bit of research into the Halloween movies, which which now I've had to go through this. You're going to as well, dear listener. You do a PhD in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as, as, as Howard pointed out, this is the 13th movie of the Halloween franchise. Um, but uh, there was there there are various sort of timelines if you want. So you originally had Halloween in 1978, and then Halloween Two, which followed up just a couple of years later, uh, 1981. 
And then there was um, Halloween 3, which was not in any way connected to any of the other ones, didn't feature Michael Myers. It was an anthology movie of scary things that all happened on Halloween. Uh, and and yet it was a complete departure. And, and, and the thinking was as they might release a Halloween movie every year that would in any way be related to any of the others. And then they thought, yeah, that didn't work. So they went back. <laughs> And really then Halloween the 4, 5, and the 6th one were all sequels to the first two. Are you with me so far? I, I'm just about keeping up, yeah. Okay. Well done. And then they did Halloween H2O, which was 20 years after the first one, where they got back um, the, uh, the, the, the Laurie, whatever she's called, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yeah. And that, and, but that was a sequel to the second movie. And they ignored four, four, five, and six. You, you need joining instructions when yeah, you go yeah, and see this yeah. film, don't you? So, like so, bear with me. so Halloween, Halloween 3, not part of anything. It's just a standalone story. Uh, so this, is, this was ignoring four, five, and six. And it's just following Halloween 2. Then there was a sequel to Halloween H2O called Halloween Resurrection. So that's still carrying on. And then that sort of line has ended, if you want. Okay. And then there were two Halloween films that were remakes back in 2007 by Rob Zombie. Those are nothing to do with... They were retellings of the first two films. They're not connected either, except to each other. And then this H4O trilogy... Oh, hang on. Let's turn that off. The H4O... And I will be asking questions later. Yeah, yeah, I'm paying attention for the exam that is inevitably going to follow this. So, yeah, the H4O trilogy, of which this is now the third one that's just coming out now, Halloween End or whatever it's called, Howard's End or something like that. Howard's End, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This trilogy is a sequel to the first movie and ignores all the other movies. Ah, Because I've got a feeling that she might have even died in one of them. I think possibly they're going to explain it that a Terminator robot went back in time and killed Michael Myers before he killed... Because she was married to Terminator, wasn't she, in True Lies? Oh, yes. So it all does link in. It all does link in. Also, I'm looking at this very cynically, thinking they've mentioned she has a granddaughter called Alison. So I suspect in five years' time, young Alison will be just turning 18 and about to, you know... And it'll turn out Michael Myers had a son and and he's gone on a rampage. We've already written it, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah, actually, let's just write the damn thing and send it in. So I'm sure somebody will want to cash in on our script. Now, now having said all of that, the, these films do have a degree of popularity, particularly yeah, the, yeah. the ones that have featured Jamie Lee Curtis. And particularly she, at Halloween. Yeah, so. she, she was in the first two. She yeah. was in the H2O series. And she's good as well. And in the she, H4O series. Which I joked yeah. about her age. She's a very good actress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's great. I mean, I, did you see that Everyone, Everywhere, All at Once? She was very good in that. Ah, I know of it, but I haven't seen that one. She, she was she good in it, yeah. Yeah, very good in that. Um, so anyway, yeah, Halloween ends. Uh, it's just yeah, bloke, allegedly Halloween ends allegedly. Yeah, comma. <laughs> a bloke who's apparently not supernatural, but somehow can never die. Yeah, uh, he's on another killing rampage, and it's all and it's his stepsister, or it's his half sister, or it's something. They are connected. Who, who knows? I'm not. I'm tempted to say who cares, but I'm sure people do care. <laughs> but I mean, just put it on. Don't worry too much about. Much as you. Uh, bless you did all that research I suspect it's a Saturday night movie you just go and see it and if you you know like that kind but of thing but this time of year there are those who will seek out a scary movie yeah, and yeah. if you're looking for one in the cinema I don't think you can go far wrong with Jamie Lee Curtis no, so no. I think I think she's, she's a cut th- above the usual lead in a Hollywood sort yeah. of Hollywood slasher film yeah and, and, and she is yeah she is sort of the, the, the definitive the original scream queen I'm sure yeah and she was so good in the original so okay. yeah now, going back to your order, let's mm. go now to your first film, which we're mentioning second. Keep up. I, I, you completely thrown me by reversing the order around. I was just, you know, I was in the zone and now I'm, <laughs> so I'm heading for the pits. <laughs> we have Emily. 
Emily. Yes, so this is a biographical drama film, and it is about the writer Emily Bronte, who again you may have heard of. Um, it's depicting, um, it's, it's described as depicting the brief life of English writer Emily Bronte, but it's actually, although that is factually correct, it's detailing the time before and possibly up to when she wrote uh, Wuthering Heights. So it features uh, an up-and-coming star who's um, Emma, I think you pronounce it Mackie. Yes, uh, but, from um, Sex Education. Yes, she's in that. And she was also in Death, Death on the Nile as well. Yes, she, she was. was. So she's definitely having a moment, I think. Um, and, it, you know, she's a fine actress and she looks very good in the trailer of this one. I, I think this is one I will be seeking out, although I, I must admit I'm about the only person in Western civilization who's a little bit not enamored of Wuthering Heights, but they're, they're, we'll get letters now, won't we, for saying that. You know, oh, I, don't I just, worry. Our, our listeners can't write letters. Oh, oh, well, that explains <laughs> it. Well, you'll get letters for that yeah. one. You'll get emails, at least, strongly worded ones. <laughs> but, but I always think that um, Kathy and Heathcliff could just, you know, simmer down a bit, calm down, get over themselves a little. But it, and then it escalates. And it I, saw, I saw a stage version of it once, and I just, I just thought, oh, man, they've really got to cheer up a bit and get over themselves. Yeah, they really. I mean, they're, you know, teenagers in love and all that, but then it goes very fiery and all horribly just, wrong. It was just misery upon misery. Yeah, yeah. You see, we could start little club here for mm. people who aren't massive fans of Wuthering Heights yeah it so. was where I should by the way say because it was a local production uh, it was very well done it yeah. was very well set the actors did really really well but my word was it dour well I'd rather watch the biopic of Emily Bronte than sit through another version of Wuthering Heights okay so, there you go <laughs> that's all I, know, I, so I agree with you can you just watch the one. Kate Bush like video and be done with it that probably covers idea. all the bases yeah. doesn't it out on a wild and windy moor yeah, yeah. To, to give you the atmosphere yeah but uh, okay <laughs> so that's uh, Emily starring uh, yeah as you said their rising star Emma Mackey. A uh, little fun fact about her that you may not know. She's French. Ah, I did, did, did a bit of background research on her when I was trying to work out where I'd seen her in something earlier. Um, I think it was when I saw her on uh, Death in the Nile. I was thinking, what have I seen her in? And I just, I didn't twig. It was the same last on sex education. Yeah. But yes, she's bilingual and yeah. all that. So, so she's yeah. born in France. She's got a French mother. She has yeah. an English father and she speaks both languages fluently without accents. Which and is why she is playing the, um, I don't know what you would call it, girlfriend, love interest is very old fashioned, but the the partner of the guy um, Eiffel who did the tower there's mm. a film about the Eiffel Tower and she's in that yes speaking fluent French mm. so there you go right. both sides of the channel she's a star okay so that's uh, Emily by the way all these new releases are all out on Friday the 14th of October our final one in the cinemas for this week is Lyle Lyle Crocodile yeah this is an odd little one and I think I suspect it's probably <coughs> far better known in America because I'd never heard of Lila Crocodile. I may be in the, I may be in the minority because uh, it's a kids' thing. Um, it's billed as a live-action computer animated musical fantasy comedy film, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, directed by Will Speck, and um, it is an adaptation of a children's story, which I think is far better known on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, <coughs> it's by a, a writer called Bernard Weber, and the film stars Sean Mendes, who I have heard of because right. he, he's singer for young people and all that uh, he plays the titular character uh, of the uh, the crocodile alongside Javier Bardem would you believe also Constance Wu is in it um, and it's all about the Prim family who moved to New York City their young son Josh struggles to adapt to a new school and making friends all of that changes when he discovers Lyle who is a singing crocodile who loves baths caviar and great music uh, the two become friends. A bit like yourself, really. Like myself, really, yeah. yeah, apart from the crocodile bit. But yeah, you know. Well, you're um, quite snappy. The rest of it, Basque, <laughs> can be, yes. Um, particularly when I'm interrupted. But when, <laughs> when evil neighbour Mr Grump, there's a great name, I'm sorry, Mr Grumps, 
So that took a while to dream up, didn't it? Um, he threatens Lyle's existence. Ooh. So the Prims have got a band together to show the world that family can come from the most unexpected places. It sounds a bit like Paddington, actually, doesn't it? You know, like a bit of with a crocodile. Yeah. So, so, so it's live action, but with a CGI crocodile. Yes, so, yes I think so. I don't just, think they've gone for the real deal, because he would have been quite tricky to train, wouldn't yeah. he? Particularly the singing. Just, just trying to um, like ascertain, you know, because some of these things, the way we describe them, people might think, oh, it's an animated thing, whereas mm. the, 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 the crocodile is animated yes but but there are real, so javier bardem hasn't just turned up one day and recorded his voice and t- taken a no, paycheck that's He's right it's it. a combination of yeah. these effects and what have you and again a bit like the, the paddington setup so i don't know it may it may have nothing to do with paddington but they may have looked at paddington and thought aha because that did well um, or, or they might not have for legal reasons in case they're listening and you know yeah, yeah. i don't mean they ripped off paddington because it's, <laughs> it's a crocodile <laughs> but, that's, that's but you, howard we, linsky I think we who said that if you want to sue him care of penguin i don't think it's controversial to say that okay. hollywood tends to repeat itself hence halloween 37 <laughs> <laughs> 40 being the operative well, word actually. you are being you are being controversial today it's lack of sleep that's, <laughs> i told you I had, an early, I had an early start this morning so okay well probably grumpier know, than usual well do you know what i'd say to that mr grumps i would say don't worry darling I like it. Very good. Teed me up which, beautifully. Which is beautifully set you up for a section. film you've seen. I have. You minute. see, I don't just talk the talk. I walk the walk. I do go to the cinema. Try and go once a week, as long as there's something on there that I would like. Once again, I went to see a movie, in this case, Don't Worry Darling, which had really mediocre reviews. And most of the press coverage has just been about the director, Florence Pugh, potentially falling out with the star, um, sorry, I'll reverse that. The star Florence Pugh potentially falling out with her director Olivia Wilde. There's lots of gossip about that. Very little actually spoken about the film, apart from the fact that it features Harry Styles, who is now Olivia Wilde's partner. Uh, Chris Pine's also in it, by the way, and he's very good too. We now, should say that that's on the day of recording because I've heard about Harry Styles. So by the time this goes out as a podcast, it may not be anymore. Ah, just thought I'd throw that in. Fair enough. Yes, yeah. yes, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hollywood relationships, you know, like that they, they celebrate their golden wedding after two years, don't yeah. they? So also, I think he's got a loyalty card of celeb women, isn't he? Possibly. Yeah. Yes, a little black book. I think yeah. he, I think he gets a free coffee by now. Yeah, we're starting to sound jealous, aren't we? We're no, not jealous. Oh, not oh, jealous but, at all. Oh, I don't no. want to admit it. Very no, jealous. No. But is he really happy? Yes, I myself. But he's right, a lot he's happier than enough. we are. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Damn. <laughs> should have should have been an actor, not a writer. Anyway. Um, so this, the actual movie, when I read the reviews, very lukewarm, um, said it was derivative, wasn't interesting, da, da, da. I really like this. I thought this was really interesting and, and different. So it features um, Florence Pugh, who's always damn good in just about everything I've seen her in. She plays the lead role um, of uh, effectively playing the role of a traditional wife in a 60s community that's kind of not gated, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And the entire town is populated by people who work for the same company and their wives. So it's old-fashioned. The guys get in the cars in the morning, they go off to work, but they don't reveal what they're working on. And that's part of the mystery and the plot. And then things take a turn for the slightly surreal, where one of Florence's uh, neighbours has a bit of a breakdown, and she also starts to question, what's really going on here? Now, if I tell you any more than that, kind of give bits away, and I don't want to do that, because I thought the ending was pretty good. But... Um, what it, it is reminiscent of things, like Stepford Wives being one. That one seemed to be referenced quite a bit mm. by reviewers, didn't it? I can see that because they are all housewives and then immaculately dressed. And, and there's they're... something underneath the surface. Yes, and, and in the Stepford, it's a different ending to the Stepford Wives. The ones who remember the Stepford Wives, uh, you know, in the 70s, it had a sinister ending. And this has got a similar vibe, but it is a bit different. Um, there's, there's some 
good acting in it. Gemma Chan's good. Florence Pugh, as I say, is very good. Um, Harry Styles, okay. Chris Pine, very good. as a kind of like a Steve Jobs character who's built this business up and nobody knows what it is. And um, everyone's desperate to be in with him. You know, so if he walks into a room, they want to meet him and speak to him. And, you know, they're, they're always checking each other as to whether they've met or had dinner with him and all this. Um, and gradually the truth is revealed. And it, and it did catch me a bit by surprise. And I thought it was very good. Okay. So, you know, yet again, the jaded critics are not as keen. But me trying to keep an open mind. Well, I enjoyed it. You saying that it kind of caught you out and you enjoyed it. You know, given yeah. that your day job is, you know, you're a, you're a thriller writer. Mm. You you must look at these from a different perspective to most of us, and you must be yeah. looking at it like like looking at the mechanics of it, thinking, well, oh yeah, they've set that bit up, so this bit's going to come off later. And correct. And so if you then were pleasantly surprised by it, yes, I didn't it must it be coming. clever. And it, it's not that I always get the ending of a movie. It's not, but quite often something innocuous partly because I've watched a lot of movies and partly because I write books, you will look at something and go, ah, that's going to happen later. Or that reference to that, that's that's significant. Or it's the guy we least expect is going to be the guy who in, ultimately is going to betray the hero. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I get it partially right or bang on. Sometimes I even know the last line of the movie. It's that bad. But with this, um, I enjoyed the ending. It was a little bit a shock in the sense we didn't see it coming. Uh, and I thought this was much better than it was um, you know, reviewed because... Two, three stars across the board, mostly. I saw a headline uh, for the review, which I love the headline. I don't know if it's fair or not, but it just said styles over substance. Oh, very clever. But, I mean, that is a good headline, but it's almost a little bit harsh. I mean, he he has not been uh, well-reviewed for his acting, despite having done some pretty good movies in the past. I didn't think he was bad. I just didn't think he stood out, mm. which is different. But so is, is that if he'd been someone else, I wouldn't have noticed that he wasn't great, if you see what I mean. Is that sometimes a problem, though, when you have a stellar cast? Because, yeah. you know, the other actors so. in that have got far more um, sort of behind them than Harry yeah. Styles has, who's relatively new to acting. Correct. And to play Florence Pugh's husband in this, and there is also an accent issue, but that is explained later on, because initially I'm thinking, why is he talking like that? But that is explained as well. Um, so that is even more forgivable. Um, and yes, he's just surrounded by very good people, and he doesn't particularly stand out. But I don't think he was awful. No. You okay. Know. So there you go. Well, that's "Don't Worry, Darling," that's which my... is still out on general release as well. Yeah, Thanks that's my for recommendation. That. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over ten years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views, and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Let's look now at uh, the new releases on streaming services. We have just one that we're going to be telling you about, which is out on Netflix on Friday the 14th of October, and it is The Curse of Bridge Hollow. Yes, so this one is very much a family movie and geared up towards Halloween. It even features Halloween in it. Um, It features a dad, Marlon Wayans from Scary Movie, and his teenage daughter, Priya Ferguson, who is in Stranger Things, which is much beloved of many people, including lots of young ones. Uh, they are forced to team up and save their town after an ancient and mischievous spirit, aren't they always mischievous, these ancient spirits, causes Halloween decorations to come to life and wreak havoc. So lots of skeletons running around and 
you know, witches and things in the background. So it's very much of the family vibe, a little bit sort of full horror and a um, bit of humour and a bit of bonding between dad and daughter. And I suspect it's aimed at family with like younger kids, you know, as, as these tend to be. So, but yeah, a family movie to watch on Halloween night, I guess. Okay, I, I see it's got in it Kelly Rowland as well. Ah, I did not notice that. Yeah, I'll tell you who she is now as well. So, one uh, of Destiny's Child. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of someone completely different there, and I won't reveal who by showing my embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got the wrong Kelly there, but never mind. Yeah, no, yeah. Ke- Kelly Rowland was one third of Destiny's Child. Ah, yeah. Well, she wasn't really, because like seven eighths of Destiny's Child was Beyonce, wasn't it? But there well, were two yes, others. That's true. But I, I suspect she didn't do too badly no. being in Destiny's Child. And no. She in, yeah, has some talent as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Yeah, <clears> no, <throat> absolutely. Uh, and uh, and also, it's got in it, <laughs> fans of Modern Family will know that, um, uh, that oh, what was he called? That, uh, Dumphy, Phil Dumphy's nemesis in Modern Family, who was another realtor, uh, was uh, G- Gil Thorpe. And oh, that rings a bell, was he? Yeah, yeah. and Gil- and the actor who who played Gil Thorpe is in this as a sheriff. It would seem he's uh-huh. in the poster anyway. Um, so there you go, Modern Family fans. Yeah, very yeah. minor character. In Modern Family. To see him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we, you know, people know what they're getting with these sorts of things. If they've got yeah, kids just, and they want to watch a, a family yeah. Halloween scary yeah. if movie. If the kids are too young one. for the first Halloween film, then, <laughs> then get them watching this instead. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, that, that's... And, of course, you know, we are approaching half-term as well, which is why we had the Crocodile film earlier as well, mm-hmm. I suppose, creeping in. So it's going to this time of year, it's going to be scary movies and family movies, it and is. occasionally a bit of both. Yeah. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. We've reached the point in the show where we find another film that Howard Linsky, highly acclaimed, world-renowned international author, uh, has... Uh, Howard, uh, yeah. <laughs> man of mystery, don't uh, forget. Yeah, uh, man of mystery. Or, <laughs> international man of mystery. Or as mystery. I know him, H-Dog. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. That's fabulous. I'm yeah. going to put that on the next cover. I'm just yeah. going to change my name to H-Dog. H-Dog, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, anyway, uh, Howard uh, is, is quite the film fan, as any listener of this show would know. And, um, and every month he finds a film film and brings it to our attention that and it's a film that he deems is and howard say it i've got the sound effect all laid out for you this film is too good to be forgotten well done love it and uh, this month's too good to be forgotten well this month you did one last week as well but that's this true, this yeah. time round, the film that's too good to be forgotten is gattaca so i don't know if you know that one uh, I know of it. I, I, do you know yeah. what it's terrible to say I, i'm not sure if i've seen it or well, not. One, of, one of my challenges is to find something that if you've not seen it, then it's definitely too good to be forgotten. If you see what I mean, because I'm now dredging it back up from the dead. But I had almost um, forgotten it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, exactly. So it's a 1997 movie. Now I like. Uh, we joke about me liking war movies a lot, but I actually do really like also dystopian sci-fi thrillers. A bit like the the one we just mentioned um, that is on at the cinema at the moment. Now this one um, I did see at the cinema because I am officially ancient. Um, it's directed by Andrew Nichol. And it's this great cast. We've got Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and Jude Law as the three main characters. Also features Ernest Borgnine and Alan Arkin, among others. Now, it's about a future society which is driven by eugenics, where um, potential children can be conceived through genetic selection to eradicate any hereditary traits that their parents might pass on to them that could potentially be negative. So um, that's the dystopian element. And it, it, it basically revolves around the fact that Ethan Hawke's character was the first child and he was conceived naturally outside the eugenics program and he has um 
defects effect- effectively. He's, he's classed as having a genetic profile with a high probability of several disorders and an estimated lifespan of just 30 years. So his parents then regret not using the things at their disposal, genetic engineering. So their second child, Anton, he is kind of perfect in every way in theory. So the two brothers grow up together because they're close to age and they often play a game of chicken by swimming out to sea as far as possible with the first one returning to shore considered the loser. Vincent, who is the not perfect one, always loses. And he has dreams of a career in space travel, but he's always reminded that he can't do this because he's genetically inferior. One day he challenges Anton to another game of chicken and he beats him, which should never really be allowed to happen. Anton starts to drown and is saved by Vincent. Shortly after, Vincent leaves home. So he retains his ambitions. He starts to realise that maybe he can achieve as much as his brother, but the world will not allow him to do this. So he meets Jude Law, who is a, a perfect specimen, except he was badly injured in an accident and is now paralysed and doesn't really want to go on. So he sells his DNA effectively, his skin, his hair, and whatever, so that Vincent can cheat the system whenever he's scanned. He puts hair and skin samples and whatever you're in and um, slowly works his way towards his dream job in this space corporation. And the rest would be spoiling. But that's <laughs> the setup. And, uh, and it's very well acted, very good, and has a nice payoff at the ending, I think. Okay. Um, well worth checking out. A very, very visually stylish film as well. It is, yeah. Uh, Looks and, really good. And, and, and great, great actors probably at the pretty much at the peak of their game. Yeah, absolutely. I think you described that perfectly. I think that lead uh, trio, all good in... You know, they've all done not great movies, but generally speaking, you know what you're going to get with all three. They're going to put in a good performance. This is all three of them putting a good performance in a well-scripted... Uh, well-directed movie see i always think ethan Hawke is one of those actors that he has been in some amazing films and he and even in some mediocre ones he, he throws in a good performance yeah yet you could probably sit beside him on the bus and may not know who he is oh good point yeah he's he's not really he's not as well known as you think he would yeah. be yeah he's not starry no we, we know him as a leading man who's managed to avoid the the big fame that tends to follow others of his generation so yeah but he's still working still constantly employed in pretty good movies makes interesting choices as well i think yeah, and, and he's been nominated for four Oscars, it says here. Wow. But, but you know, he's somebody who um, sort of passes under the radar. Yeah, when you start looking at the films he's been in, you know, he was in Training Day. Uh, he was in the, the, the before sort of trilogy of movies, before Sunset, before Midnight, yes. before Sunrise. Yeah, that was big stuff. And uh, yeah. Julie Delpy was in that with him. That's it, yeah. yeah. And weirdly, we still, I think we still think of Ethan Hawke as like this kind of indie guy you know, who chooses these small projects. But when you look at some of the movies he's been in, they're pretty high profile in the end. Yeah, yeah, you know? he, he's, he's been in some fairly big films as well. Mm. Uh, wasn't he in the Magnificent... Yeah, he was in the Magnificent Seven remake, again, oh, with I Denzel see. Washington. I, I, it was one of those ones where I thought, do I want to watch this remake? When I really love the original, so I didn't, I didn't watch that one. I, I think it's, it good? Yeah, I would say so. Mm. I think it's worth watching. I mean, it's very different. Yeah. It, it, you, you can't really compare it because it's a different type of thing. But it's really good. Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're you know all... what? That lineup is good, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all really good, isn't it? I Denzel should check Washington's it out brilliant. I think I had a bit of a downer on it because I was thinking a bit like the remakes of Get Carter and The Italian Job and things like that. But uh, Yeah, yeah, but some yeah. of them were awful. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the other thing going for it was uh, Anton, Anton Fuqua, who has oh, yeah. who did Training Day and uh, yeah, The Equaliser as well. And you know, he's done a lot of things with Denzel Washington and they've all been pretty good. Oh. 
uh, including this one. Anyway, that's not even what we're talking about. No, well, hey, well, I like it when we digress. <laughs> wow, we went talk. off on quite a tangent we, 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 there. Well, from, you know, it's like two men in a pub talking films. Yeah. You know, that's what this should be like. Really. Yeah, yeah so but we're not go. bringing in beer. I can't yeah, have damn, you drinking oh. near the equipment. Oh. Not until it's all paid Just for. Just because I have a repetition for spilling most of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Gattaca is the film that Harrod has deemed to be... Too good to be forgotten. Well done. Well, I have Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead, right after this. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know. You could be my next guest. The final part of the film guide is when we look at Howard Linsky's choice of films uh, on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We start off with Friday the 14th of October and uh, another return to someone who's already featured on this week's edition of the film guide because Jamie Lee Curtis is back in an ensemble cast with a wonderful film, Knives Out, 9pm, film four. I'm so glad you actually answered your own kind of question there and didn't just tee me up because I had a panic there and go who's who have we mentioned who have we mentioned who's I can see cast? the look in your eyes I was like suddenly. oh it's like panic there I was thinking yeah. it's not Christopher Plummer it's not no, Daniel Craig no. so I could have been here all night going through this but it's yes Knives Out it, as as we said ensemble cast and she's uh, Jim Lee Curtis is in it and on the subject of cast we've got Daniel Craig Chris Evans Anna Diarmas, who is definitely having a moment at the moment mm. Michael Shannon Don Johnson Tony Collette uh, and the brilliant Christopher Plummer, you know, he was wonderful in everything he did virtually. Um, so watchable. And he plays a mystery novelist in Knives Out who is uh, having his 85th birthday party at his Massachusetts mansion. The whole family are there. The next morning, his housekeeper, Fran, finds him dead with his throat slit. Uh, the police believe it's suicide. and uh, <laughs> But they are disagreed with by the private detective who Daniel Craig plays with the least convincing accent he's ever employed on screen but we'll let him go because it's still a good movie he plays Benoit Blanc who is anonymously hired to investigate the uh, mystery surrounding the death of this huge rich author because aren't we all huge and rich you know that's the way it works anyway it is a good movie it has a sort of almost like a modern updated Agatha Christie vibe bit of a you know not so much a locked room mystery but they're all in the same house one of them has probably done it or might not have done it or could have done it or whatever. And Daniel Craig is the guy who's almost a bit like a Poirot style. He's a bit offbeat, he's a bit unusual, and he's picking up clues that the police don't see, and he's questioning people all the time. And it's it's just entertaining. It's it's an interesting mystery. And it did so well, the first one, that when he finished doing Bond, he was signed up for two sequels for an astonishing amount of money, something like a hundred million dollars, and I believe the first sequel was already out. Yeah, I think because it's, um, <coughs> it, it was uh, an, a Netflix exclusive, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think they've screened the second one yet, but um, they are close. There's a teaser trailer that is out, unless I've got that wrong and I've missed it. 
but I don't think it's actually out yet. Oh, you might be right. Uh, it's 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 looming. It it's is looming. imminent. Right. It's out this year. Yeah. Um, it isn't out yet. It's, I think the they've next announced called, the title and done a little. Yeah, it's called, they, there's a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, I mean, it's, it's it's coming out very soon. Good. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's called Glass Onion, and then it's a Knives Out mystery, uh-huh. written and directed again by Ryan Johnson, again yeah. with Daniel Craig. But it looks like largely a whole new cast, which kind of makes sense, really. I completely misread the director as well. When I heard that the hottest director in Hollywood at this particular time, because this movie was Ryan Johnson, I read it as Rianne Johnson, and I thought, good for her. And then I found out it wasn't. (laughs) It was a bloke again. But, uh, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Just admit your error and move on. But But uh, it's a good movie. Apparently, it's coming out around Christmas time on Netflix. Something to watch with the family on Christmas Day. Yeah, because I'm sure I read somewhere that Netflix paid an absolute fortune to get the the two sequels to this movie. Absolutely, they did. Um, Yeah, Yeah. and that's up there as good as uh, this one. Because, you know, like all of these mysteries, it stretches credulity a little. But it's it's watchable. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I saw it at the cinema. But it was Watched a it, it was a DVD. loving homage to the Agatha Christie yeah. country house murder. You know, somebody yeah. in the house did it, and the dysfunctional family where yeah. everybody you know is pretending to love the guy, but they all have reasons to not love him quite so much as yeah. they might imply. And, There's and, money. There's inheritance. Yeah, so many <clears> suspects. <throat> any one of them could have done it. They're all yeah. a bit horrible. Um, you've got this eccentric uh, detective right in the middle of it all. And, yeah. you know, and, and it was unashamedly. Derivative and yet and yet good, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And and yeah, what what a delicious cast. I mean, the, that's amazing. The, some of the ones that stood out to me as well. What, so one of the ones I thought was I was surprised he was in it because an awful lot of great A list actors and Don Johnson. Don Johnson, yeah. And I sort of thought, <laughs> wow, he's punching above Do you his weight. What he but he did a couple of decent movies in the in the nineties actually when he was not doing the TV that he was renowned for. But, the it, Miami but that Vice was stuff. that was off the back of <clears throat> Miami yeah, Vice, which was. was an international phenomenon. But then since then, yeah, it, it he's been gone a while. Yeah, yeah, but but in this i mean yeah. i i thought he was great and i was i was really pleased to see him do so well in it mm. and, and and in quite a, a central part really he was he was quite yeah. a central part he, he, he got equal screen time for some of these others like tony collette and uh, yeah michael shannon yeah, yeah. J- jamie lee curtis and yeah you mentioned there anna de Armas, who who really is sort of a a person of the moment isn't she, she? is she's definitely leading lady for the next however many years and, and rightly because yeah. she really can act and uh, you know she did she had a fabulous um it's not even a cameo in the last bond movie she honestly when oh, i saw she that was I thought, amazing wasn't she, she should have her own spin-off series yeah. this character you know yeah. when she's oh i've only been i've only done three weeks of training and then she kicks everybody yeah. around the room <laughs> it was really <laughs> Really, really she good. She's just fantastic yeah, in she's that. She's great. You know, she stole a little bit of that movie, and rightly. Yeah, and 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 she hasn't been around for that long, but she's she's done no. very well. I saw her recently in one of her first movies, a film called Knock Knock, that was with Keanu, that the Reeves. Keanu Reeves. One I've seen that one. Yeah, yes, yeah. And she was quite chilling she was really in that, good in it, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and yeah, and, and also I, she plays Marilyn Monroe, doesn't she? In, she does. In yes, the film. that, that movie's getting very uh, mixed reviews and quite a lot of negative flack for portraying. Monroe herself as nothing but a victim. However, the performance by Anna de Armas seems to be universally lauded. They're just blaming the director and writer for not making Monroe more of a three-dimensional person who had depth to her other than as a victim. So you could, you could debate the rights and wrongs of that all day long. But I've seen about half of that on Netflix. I'm watching it in bits because it's three hours long. Wow. You know, so I've, <laughs> who has the time yeah. to sit down for three hours and watch something? But no, I was pleased what you said about her, her turn in the Bond film because I thought that she stole it. That, yeah. that that one moment. I mean, she was only basically in one long scene, yeah, wasn't she? she was. And she was amazing in it. And she really was. And uh, 
I'm sure they could give her a spin-off if they could afford to hire her again because I suspect her fees have gone through the roof. I would imagine so, yeah. Um, So, yeah, so anyway, the film uh, Knives Out is your choice um, for, uh, what day was that? Uh, Friday Friday. the 14th of October, 9pm over on Film 4. Let's move to Saturday the 15th of October, 9pm on Film 4. A film I'm not sure I'm not aware of. Uh, It's uh, Hunter Killer. Yes, another 9pm on Film 4. At first, when I put that down, I thought, oh, I got that wrong. But no, they're two consecutive nights. Yeah, Hunter Killer. Um, it's a, f- a fun thriller movie, so it's not got huge depth, but it's it's based on a, a novel called Firing Point from 2012, and it stars Gerard Butler and Gary Oldman. And Gerard Butler plays a kind of... Uh, well, he's a... He's an officer of a submarine. He's a submarine commander, but he's one of those guys who's risen through the ranks. So he's done every job on the sub. So he takes over this new sub. Um, at first, obviously, the crew, you know, he needs to win them over, shows his competence, etc. And then um, he has to uh, do a, a mission that kind of evolves from being at sea to going on land with uh, the crew and a group of Navy SEALs because they have to rescue the captured Russian president from a coup. Now, obviously, that ages badly, when you consider that right now we could do with a coup to get rid of the Russian president, but this is a fictional guy, not a Putin-esque. By, by the way, Russia, if you're listening, Howard Linsky can be contacted via Penguin. Okay, just don't give them my address. You know, I don't want any more. I don't want anybody. Visiting. Penguin don't know your address. That's why you can never get a book out of them. That's very true. The, the books keep going missing. You're right. Yeah, but I, I don't need any Russian agents visiting Wellin's famous cathedral to look at its spire. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, well done for narrowing down which town you live in. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, I've got, I'm sure there's a lot of people they would like to get to first before yeah. they got to me. And they they go for the Howard Centre first, wouldn't they? They, they would. Well, we'd they, get that. They think, they think I was a famous celebrity because yeah. of the Howard Centre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, I now I'm surprised that this film has passed me by because I love a good submarine thriller. It didn't seem to make an impact. And it is. it was one of those movies that I expected the reviews would be a bit lukewarm, but I thought it would probably have quite a big box office presence. But I don't know if it came out at the wrong time or... You know, it wasn't. It was pre-COVID, two thousand and eighteen. But for some reason, it just passed by, and I think I got it from memory on a half-price DVD off, you know, Amazon or somewhere. Yeah. And uh, it was a it was a Saturday night movie. It was a good watch. Well, Gerard Butler and Gary Oldman are both, yeah. you know, quite bankable. And yeah, submarine thriller. I mean, they make oh, great yeah. um, films. You they know, do, don't they? The Crimson Claustrophobia Tide, and the, the um, yeah. Comfort October. Yeah, I love Dust those two Boot. movies. Yeah, all three of those. I yeah. love. And so I thought that was one of the reasons why I thought. I'll get this, and I thought, I'll be the only one of the family who wants to watch it. So it was one of those where you watch it when everybody else has gone to bed. And uh, and I enjoyed it. It was a good action movie. Okay. That's uh, 9pm Film 4 on Saturday the 15th of October. We move to Sunday the 16th of October, and a second appearance by someone else from the film. God, before you start sweating, Daniel Craig. Yeah, thanks for the clue. Cheers, mate. That's all right. uh, and <laughs> Not we... playing Benoit Blanc at no. this point. We've yeah. got 9.10pm uh, on ITV2, Spectre. Yes, he's Jimmy Bond in this one. So that's the 2015 spy film. Um, I know he was great in all of the Bond movies. I think he did. This one is a good one. I was less keen on Quantum of Solace, but I think the others that he did were all good. Uh, this one's Spectre. It's the 24th in the James Bond series, would you believe? So that's mm. seven years ago now. And it's another one directed by Sam Mendes. So he's done a couple. Uh, written by Neil Purvis, who's a regular uh, Bond writer, along with Robert Weir, John Logan, and Jez Butterworth. That's uh, St. Alban's um, own Jez Butterworth. I did not know that. Who uh, oh. was the... Uh, Jerusalem, wasn't it? It was the famous play that he wrote. 
Oh, oh, right. I, yeah, now I'm linking the names. Yes, yeah, Mark Ryland's got a very acclaimed Yes, he did. Performance. It's like some people think it's the best player ever written, so fair play. Yeah. Mm, that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, it's quite good. But yeah, he is. When I say some people, I mean yeah. critics of the times but, and the but like. But Jez Butterworth is <laughs> St. Albans' own. Uh, no, fair play to him. John Logan <clears throat> was the guy behind, if you watched um, Pe- Penny Dreadful. Oh on. yes, I am. He, he, he yeah. was the guy behind that, and Purvis and Wade have written loads of. They've done all of Daniel Craig's Bond films, yeah. and they did a few of Piers Brosnan's ones as well. Yeah, and I gather that they were quite young British writers. I imagine now they're probably a bit more middle-aged British writers. Yeah, very rich, hopefully, <laughs> for all their hard work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good for them. Um, so yeah, Daniel Craig back as Bond. Uh, Christoph Waltz doing Christoph Waltz-like things, being very good. Leia Sador's in it. Um, obviously, the uh, character she plays reappears in several of the Bond films right up to the last one that he did. Ben oh. Whishaw, <laughs> Naomi Harris, Dave Bautista, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, and uh, he was a guardian, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy. That's it, yeah. Recall, but it looks rather different in this without the makeup and what have you. And this is also the movie with Monica Bellucci, uh, where they had a more mature Bond woman, as opposed to a Bond girl, as they always used to get called. Yeah. And Riff finds is in it as well. So it's about Bond learning about Spectre, the international crime organisation, which is rather bad detective work because I'd heard of Spectre for years but he's <laughs> yeah. only just learning of them in 2015 well, he's, more, he's more of a spy than a detective well isn't true yeah. but you know he's supposed to know things secret things but honestly you could have asked me really and it's all about Ernst Sanavro Blufeld who is Waltz now anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big Bond fan and I like the fact that with the Daniel Craig films there was continuity between them because the other Bond films were yeah. kind of standalone <clears> ones there were. was very very few references to any other Bond film in the Bond films whereas all of these kind of linked together and this one uh, attempted to make all the other films of the Daniel Craig era fit together. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. I also like the fact that Leah Sadu keeps coming back because that's one of the things I always used to, even as a kid, I used to say, well, Bond's great movie, lovely, marvellous, two years later, no reference to the girl he ended up with. Yeah. At the end of that. Like, yeah. They're all in love and everything. And he's just like, yeah, do you know, call me, don't call me. You very know, very this- occasionally in the books, the, the subsequent book would make a reference to what happened mm. to the, the, the girl before. But, but it was always like a clean slate that he started Pretty with. much. Apart from the it? fact he had M and Q and Moneypenny and he yeah. would just go off. And the, the plot was mostly an excuse just to pitch him out there. There's a, there's a yeah. madman trying to blow up the world, Bond. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really rate that continuity that you said as yeah. well. I agree with you. And, and I thought this one had a, a, a great cast as well. They really built a great cast around Daniel Craig. But I did think some of them were wasted. I thought Dave Batista, given that he, he's he's got quite a big profile now, and he's you know he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy films I mean, and other such things. He they they made him a Jaws type henchman. Correct, they did. And the only thing I do remember him being, because it's been a couple of years since I've seen this, was the fight on the train. There's yeah. a fight on the train where they demolish, like, well, it's a bit, a bit grander than a buffet car. Yeah. But the restaurant, they're sitting in the restaurant, and then it all hell breaks loose with him and uh, Daniel Craig fighting. Yeah, and he uh, had, didn't he have metal fingernails as opposed to metal teeth? Ah, uh, yes, possibly. Yeah, yeah, it was metal fingernails. And, uh, and, and Pause. Yeah, and <laughs> also, yours. a couple of times, <laughs> very good. <laughs> and a couple of times, if I, see, I've only ever seen the film once because I was that unimpressed with it. Uh, I never went back and watched it again. Whereas the Bond films, I could almost recite the dialogue for most of them. No, that's true, but, yeah. But uh, yeah. it was, um, I, I've seen to remember that they kept bumping him off in an ambiguous way and he sort of came back in the movie I think once or twice because I think there was a couple of bits where he was in it 
And then the way that they he was finished off at the end of this one, it was very ambiguous as to whether he's actually dead or not. True. Which yes. was what they used to do with Jaws in it, the Exactly, they films. did. And he was, I mean, even when there was the thing in Egypt where, is it The Spy Love Me, where the, the, everything falls on him and there's yeah. lots of rock and rubble. Yeah. Uh, and you think, oh, he's clearly dead. And then he just kind of moves the rubble and climbs out and dusts off yeah. his jacket and yeah. oh, his shirt and carries on walking. And that was the thing. He was seemingly, you know, uh, un, uh, you know kind of indestructible and and, yeah. uh, and he survived. And and so I, I thought, are they, are they trying to do that a bit yeah, because they're trying to bring him back. They, for g- they gave like metal, yeah, like I said, it, it wasn't metal teeth, it was it was metal paws. Um, <laughs> and also, Monica Bellucci, I thought, was criminally wasted. An act, she was an act yeah. of her talents. She was yeah. only in it for 10 minutes, a couple I of scenes. One of the problems, A, her talent, and B, the build up was that we're going to have this mature woman as a bond, yeah, girl, yeah. inverted commas, you know, we're going to do it properly, age appropriate, blah blah blah. But she wasn't in it for long. Really. And her character just vanished. Mm. There was no ending to her character. There was no explanation. She was there one minute and Again, then she's Again, I wonder gone. if she just ended up on the cutting room floor in the edit or if they were actually planning to bring her and Dave back. But they just didn't, for whatever reason. Well, I always know, thought to myself, it, like the, the the Bond films of old always had a a, a template that that you could you could you could set your watch to almost. It was so precise every time. And if ever there was a second woman in the movie, yeah. she was normally the obligatory sacrificial lamb. Yeah. She died earlier into the movie. And usually, the first girlfriend is the one who dies. Yeah, you know, yeah. the first person he sleeps with dies because yeah. that's the price of sleeping with Bond. And that was what I thought was going to happen with yeah. Monica Bellucci. He was going to come back to the, his hotel and find her dead or something yeah. like that. You didn't eat, she just was I no suspect there. the screenwriters deliberately did that because they portrayed her as being a woman under threat. I think he kills a couple of guys who try and kill her, yeah, and saves her from them. And, and also, when this before this movie came out, it was largely being touted as being a two part movie. This mm. was and this was a big new venture for the Bond films, it was going to be a part one and a part two. And then, nearer the release, they, they announced that actually it's not two parts, it's one part. And I just wonder if that's how Dave Batista just sort of you know doesn't definitively. Yes, die. But he, he makes a sudden exit. Yeah, yeah. Monica Bellucci <laughs> suddenly is there, and then she isn't. And yeah. I wonder how many of these strands they were thinking. Oh yeah, we'll pick them up, and then no time to die. I mean, because also I thought the way Blofeld just end they ended that part of the story was a bit dissatisfying. Mm. But they picked that up in no they time did. to die. Yes, yeah. Um, <clears throat> they so did. yeah, and 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 yeah, your comment about uh, Leia Sadu and her the continuity of her being also the Bond girl in the next Bond film, I, I did think that that made a uh, quite a welcome change. Yeah, you get more invested in the characters when they've been around for yeah. a bit, I think. So also, Daniel Craig has the uh, the honour of being the only Bond actor to be in a film where he doesn't sleep with a Bond girl because in Quantum of Solace, the main Bond girl in that, Olga Kurilenko, was the actress, uh, their characters never slept together. Oh, but what about Gemma Arterton? Oh, yeah, well, that's different. And then she got bumped off. She yeah, was the yeah. obligatory sacrificial lamb earlier yeah, yeah. in the film. There you go. But but no, the main Bond girl. And in one of Fleming's books, I think it was Moonraker, it was the same thing. The main ah. Bond girl in that, Gala Brand, she was called. Because, um, you know, that's a Fleming name, isn't yeah. it? I, I love the way he randomly calls his female characters. It's like he plucks them from air somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, he because he, at the end, he tried to sort of like go off with her. And then she said to him, I'm sorry, I'm engaged. Oh. <laughs> and he, he kind of got jilted at the end. Never mind. But uh, anyway, even James Bond gets turned down by women occasionally. So. But I do you think even a poor <clears throat> James Bond film is still a really good James Bond? Film? Yes, I think. I mean, even Quantum of Solace I enjoyed, but I was just a bit baffled by the plot and it petered out a bit. But um, 
So I thought this was better than that. And uh, worth that, a watch. I it thought, was the best movie of the day, to be honest, as well. I thought that um, Quantum of Solace also had the problem of having to follow Casino Royale, yeah. which was such a good so movie. Good. Oh. And, and, and again, I thought Spectre, perhaps, in my eyes, suffered slightly because Skyfall was such a good movie that, you know, to follow up on that. That's true, with all that uh, going on with M. And, yeah, yeah you know, you're right. Because yeah. in the past, the Bond films have had problems with trying to, trying to top what they've done before yes they have you know, they did The Spy Who Loved Me which was an epic Bond movie and they topped it financially with Moonraker yeah but it wasn't the same no oh. but then it, with Moonraker now he's in space and where can they go after that so they, they yes. took him to Corsica and they put him up against you know Nazi collaborators um, you know and brought it a bit more down to earth <laughs> yeah it did Anyway, uh, Spectre is Sunday the 16th of October, 9.10pm on ITV2. Let's move to Monday the 17th of October, 9pm on Paramount. We have Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, yes. Directed by Mel Gibson. And it features uh, a true story, a real-life character, about a conscientious objector uh, who doesn't want to fight in World War II. A guy called Desmond Doss, who was an American pacifist because of his um, religion. He's a Seventh-day Adventist Christian and refuses to carry or use a weapon of any kind. So he um, he gets bullied because of this, becomes a medic, but goes on to be the first conscientious objector to be awarded the Medal of Honour for service above and beyond the call of duty. So he showed great gallantry during the Battle of Okinawa by rescuing a lot of injured men. And off this particular ridge, Hacksaw Ridge, and you see quite lengthy scenes of, of these dramatic rescues where he's getting people down from this ridge after they've been shot up and injured by um, a, a Japanese force that outnumbers the Americans. Um, Andrew Garfield does a really good turn playing DOS. Uh, it's also got um, Sam Worthington in it, Hugo Weaving's in it, and Vince Vaughn is in it. Um, so it's a, it's a very good war movie directed by uh, Mel Gibson, who you'd kind of expect to be good at that kind of thing, and he is. I mean, if you if you put everything else that we know about Mel Gibson to one side, Gosh, he's a yeah. damn good filmmaker. He is, and yeah, you know, yeah. you think about some of those films he's made: is it Man Without a Face, Braveheart, yeah, uh, you know, and now Hacksaw <clears throat> Ridge as well. You know, it, it, the Passion of the Christ, of course, Apocalypto. He, he knows how to how to direct. He, he absolutely movie. does. Yeah, I mean, for, oh, yeah, you absolutely park his personality, which we could talk about for hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but he's as a director. Yeah, you go and watch a movie by him, you're going to get a, a, a well directed film mm. so. and and this does seem to have been something of a, uh, a time where perhaps hollywood is starting to forgive him for his past yeah, indiscretions or, or forget them well because he's good box office who knows <laughs> I, d- I don't know i mean see <coughs> it, it's, yeah. it's a troubled thing. soul isn't he well I mean. he has been certainly and i think there is this whole thing of like the the the, the council culture isn't there and yeah. can you know can, can a pub should a public figure ever be forgiven for a transgression yeah that's that's a uh, complicated debate i'm sure and uh because if whatever if I had done allowed. something like that, the fallout would not have been the same. No. And if we were truly sorry, as he claims to be, there would come a point where society would forgive us. But when you're a, a public figure, it, you know, it, it's as if there can never ever be I think forgiveness. The these problem days. comes from whether they're actually sorry or not. And you know, and, and of course, people are sceptical, aren't they? So they, he might very well be very sorry about what he said, or they might be deeply held, not mm. very pleasant views. Who knows? I mean, it was. <clears> um, I was quite moved by seeing uh, it was at an award ceremony. Robert Downey Jr. was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he insisted that he would only receive the award 
uh, if Mel Gibson presented it to him. Oh, right. and, and so they reluctantly invited Mel Gibson to present the award to him. And then when he got up to, to accept it and he gave his speech, he was saying how back in the early 90s, he was persona non grata in, in Hollywood. Yeah. He ended of up because of drugs. <clears throat> and, and prison and, sentence. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and no one wanted to hire him. And Mel Gibson um, hired him for a movie that ah. Mel Gibson, I think it was The Singing Detective, that, that oh, right. originally Mel Gibson was going to star in the role and then uh, offered it to Robert Downey Jr. The insurance company wouldn't insure Robert Downey Jr. So Mel Gibson put the money up himself and gave him another chance. And and he said, and and Robert Downey Jr., now one of the biggest stars in the world, was Mm. saying, Hollywood, you've forgiven me. Maybe it's time to forgive him. Fair enough. That's a that's a good story. I know that. Yeah, I've heard that before. There's a, if you look it up on YouTube, you can see the yes, speech that he yeah. did, and it is quite moving. And yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no defending what what Mel no, Gibson has said and gosh, done. No. no, there really isn't. But he yeah. does seem to have completely owned it, and he does yeah, appear to be quite contrite and. Uh, I saw him on a, an American chat show recently where he was talking about one of his next projects, which is going to be a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. Oh, right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, anyway, Hacksaw Ridge, a, a yeah, great example movie. of him as a director. Mm. And uh, Andrew Garfield as well. He's, 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 he's more really than just good, Spider-Man, isn't he? isn't he? Oh, a very good actor. Yeah. Everything. One of those guys, when you see him, you know it's going to be good. Have you seen <clears> his um, TV series that's around at the moment, Under the Banner of Heaven? No, you told me about that. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it's, it's on my to-watch list because apparently it's very good. It's on Disney+, yeah. Plus and it's about a true story about... Um, a Mormon. A, uh, yeah, it's, all, it's set in the world of, of the Mormons and um, about a, a true-life murder that happened and, and, a, and a Mormon detective played by Andrew Garfield... Oh who's investigating it, one of his main suspects, played by Sam Worthington, oh, there who's you go. also in this movie. Ah. Anyway, that's uh, Monday the 17th of October, Hacksaw Ridge, 9pm on Paramount. Let's move to Tuesday the 18th of October, 9pm on Great Movies. We have The Drop, which yes. is also a book as written by Howard Linsky. Oh, I'd forgotten. No less. Yes, I'd forgotten all about that. Don't yeah. tell people it's a different one. Just yeah, go yeah, roll I with it. Well, I mean... I, as you, I may have told you in the past, I got journalists from the northeast ringing me up, going, "You didn't tell us about your movie," and I had to explain it wasn't me. But uh, can't yeah, you put I, a sticker on the book now saying "Now a major Hollywood pic- yeah, film"? Yeah, it is, and very small letters, not this book, but you know, now a major. But, the, hey, yeah. No, you could say the <coughs> drop. Now a major Hollywood film. It is. It is. It, is. it, it absolutely is. is factual. So this is Dennis Lehane's version, and I have to ah, say, what yeah, he I was, what's I was, he ever done? Well, he, he copied my title. I was the first, you know. Yeah. But actually, so there was the drop, as in mine, two thousand eleven. Michael Connolly wrote a book called The Drop. Dennis Lehane wrote a script called The Drop. Uh, and Mick Herron wrote a short story called The Drop. So it's a very popular title. There's four of us who've done it. Uh, I suspect I'm not the richest of those four, but never mind. Well, only this, financially. Only financially, yes. Yeah, spiritually, I'm, I'm obviously, because I do this with you every couple of weeks and every, or every month or so, um, clearly I'm in a better place. But this is written by Dennis Lehane based on a short story he wrote back in 2009. Um, it follows a guy who is a barman he becomes entangled in an investigation after the mafia-run bar where he works is robbed. So it's a, a Tom Hardy rule that got him quite a lot of um, press and good reviews. Uh, Numi Rapace is in it and James Gandolfini in his final film rule, along with Matthias Schoenartz. I think that's how I've pronounced it. Uh, yeah, pronounced yeah it that correctly. sounds about right. He's very good in, in everything, but it's quite, quite an early role for him. Um, a, a, a kind of breakout role in a supporting uh, part of the cast. <clears throat> and it's it's worth a watch. It's a good movie if you like gritty crime stuff set in America. This is for you. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and as you say, there the the final film role of of the great James Gandolfini yeah, as well. He's great. The Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the drop. Nine p.m. on Great Movies Tuesday, the eighteenth of October. I would recommend you read the Howard Linsky book first. Yeah, so would I. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can say that because, again, that's not factually inaccurate. No. 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 So I'd, obviously, I'd recommend it. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there we are. Okay, let's move to Wednesday, the 19th of October, 9 p.m. on Talking Pictures. And once again, you have found a film I've not come across in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's... It's, it's called Robbery. Well, I, I must admit to having only a vague memory of it myself, but the reason I've selected it isn't so much necessarily that I would say watch it it's amazing um, I can only vaguely remember it and I may have got it mixed up with the one that uh, Richard Burton appeared in I think it was called Villain which was roughly around the same time but this is a 1967 British crime film and the reason I'm recommending it's worth a watch is just for a snapshot of British social history in the 60s but also cinema history it's directed by Peter Yates the car chase that he directed in this inspired Steve McQueen to hire him for Bullet so that's a pretty good endorsement um, the star of it is Stanley Baker, who I think is a much overlooked I was gonna say British actor, but he'd probably want me to say Welsh actor. But he's he's very good. He has touched the Sean Connerys about Stanley Baker, I always thought. Um, it's a heavy fictionalised version of the 1963 Great Train Robbery. And here's the cast for you, as well as Stanley Baker, who was probably best known from Zulu. James Booth is in it, who played Henry Hook in Zulu. You might recall his scene-stealing performance as the supposedly rebellious and possibly even cowardly Henry Hook. He's very good. Frank Finley's in it, who went on to do The Three Musketeers and Wild Geese. Barry Foster, who used to be Van der Valk and was in Smiley's People as the head of MI6, or the circus. George Sewell, who's in Get Carter in a, in a scene-stealing role. And Robert Powell from 39 Steps and Jesus of Nazareth. So all these guys went on to do stuff. And I looked at the trailer again to jog my memory, and I thought, yep, um, a heist, a car chase, directed by Peter Yates, and a who's who of British cinema. Got to watch this again, so I'm going to, um, on Wednesday the 19th of October. I, I, like I say, I'd never heard of the film before. I, I watched a trailer, and that car chase looks thrilling. It does, doesn't it? It looks good. And also, yeah. because back then, no CGI. It was it, They might have done things, like they might have sped the film up a little bit to make yeah, it yeah. look faster. But, but, but stuntmen really did roll out of moving cars yeah. so, on corners, which they showed. There was one bit on I saw where, where they had a, a policeman, and they were driving straight towards him. He jumps out of the way, but not before smashing the windscreen with his um, truncheon, which is all done well, from the, the point of view of inside the car on the back seat, and you're looking out at the car come round the corner, head towards the policeman. The policeman smashed the thing. And then the, the two people in the front of the car are having to punch the glass out because it's completely shattered it's incredible isn't and it's it? what all they in did. one take all before we had you know trick photography or whatever you want to call it back then yeah all in one take as well right. which which uh, is just uh, incredible to think that they could do that back then absolutely um but uh, but yeah and there is you do like a, a, a gritty british do. movie don't yeah, you I do. a gr- a pr- pr- crime british crime they're good you know long good friday get carter if you like that kind of thing give robbery a look i suspect some of the dialogue's a bit dated but the final thing i'd say on it as well <clears throat> i think this was influential i think uh tv series like the sweeney took a lead from this because the villains are very gritty as are the cops and uh, it looks quite hard hitting and fairly full-on and fairly realistic and i think it had a sweeney vibe yeah to and, it. and and as you say <coughs> get carter as well and those sorts of things it does look like it was possibly quite the the influence on i think so on yeah. those things um, and, and yeah the, the, you could you can I didn't know the link between I didn't put it together it was Peter Yates so you know Bullet for, which was just a year later but you, you can see from that just that one bit I saw in the trailer I thought well, that, that's a, an impressive car chase and it, it got him the job yeah Bullet so yeah and you mentioned Sean Connery there and um, I was thinking that they've done films together before and it took me a while to find it but they did back in 1957 they did Hell Drivers yes I like that one that's a good one yeah that's with Patrick McGowan's in that one and Sid James yeah <laughs> And, yes. and a very young David McCallum. 
Oh yeah, oh is he? Is yeah, Rousey was in that. I'd yeah. forgotten. I'd, I do like that movie. I put that on a a blog piece once about forgotten, overlooked movies. That I think that's what stimulated our first chats about doing this on the podcast when I wrote that article about crime movies. And yeah, Hellraisers was one of them. Yeah, uh, brilliant stuff. Well, thank you for that. I'm, that one's on my list for sure. Uh, and then, uh, so that was Wednesday the 19th of October, by the way, 9pm on Talking Pictures, the film Robbery. Uh, then we move to our final film of the week on Thursday the 20th of October. We have 6.05pm uh, again on Talking Pictures, Brighton Rock. Yeah, this is not the remake that uh, was it was only a few years ago, 20, well, say a few, 2010 was the remake with Sam Riley, Andrea Riseborough and Helen Mirren, which wasn't bad. And that was directed by... Roland Joffe's son, Rowan Joffe. Um, this is the original 1948 version, which um, features in the lead role of Pinky Brown, Richard Attenborough, who we also know as a director, but obviously was an actor for many years. A young man at this point uh, plays the violent gang leader in, in Brighton, and it was a role that he did on the West End three years earlier, but he then did it in the movie. The movie's a Bolting Brothers movie, um, and he... Uh, it's a, it follows this gang leader who falls in love with a young innocent girl or she falls in love with him um, and uh, there's an amateur sleuth investigating a murder that he committed and I haven't seen this movie in a very long time but I just remember it being really good you know so I probably watched it in the mid 80s as a relatively young man thinking I must be old but I'll give it a try and Richard Attenborough is brilliant in it it's very, very good as a character. And a screenplay by Terence Rattigan. Yeah, and based on the Brighton Rock book by Graham Greene. So it's pedigree all yeah, the way through. Yeah, really. absolutely. So give it a go. Okay, that's uh, that's the film Brighton Rock, the original one from 1948, 6.05pm on Talking Pictures uh, on Thursday the 20th of October. And that concludes another edition of The Film Guy. Howard, which of those films on free-to-air TV would be your film of the week? I'm going to go for Brighton Rock this time. Give that a go. <laughs> Okay, uh, thank you for that. Uh, next week, uh, we have uh, Max Hartington returning to the film guide, but don't let that put you off. But uh, we've <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will see you then. Take care.